Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Hey, good afternoon, everybody. Tom Hayes in Boston, Massachusetts. Great show on the on the slab today, all the way from L.A., a great buddy of mine, one of the brightest and funniest and the most cool guys in comedy and now in his acting. I'm going to read you a little bit of what I wrote yesterday. John Keating started his stage and screen career in Boston, Mass., as a comedian-slash-actor. Today he lives in Los Angeles and acts, writes, and performs. His credits include the recent animation product General Zed, films such as The Middle, Anger Management, and Criminal Minds. So we're going to have a little fun. John, welcome to the show, buddy. Hey, Tom. How are you? Thanks for having me. Well, great. Uh, you know, we, uh, we've had, I think one of the, uh, we had some great times in the car, kind of going back and forth to some gigs, and uh, I always enjoyed yeah. your act. By the way, has the, uh, the, the shadow of the crucifix ever been removed from your parents' room? Well, yeah, no, I think so, because I think that my grandparents' house got uh, got sold, and then it got torn down, so it is gone. <laughs> but maybe it's just kind of hovering there somewhere, and in between <laughs> you universes. Go, you yeah. didn't go in and, and, and take a sheetrock knife to it and uh <laughs> well, you and should have, I should have got it. like an impression of it, you know, and just had that and just taken that with me. Why don't you, uh, that was one of the most memorable bits of, of your act. Why don't you, can, can you give us a little background on it and how the, the joke developed and, and what the joke is? Because it's, it's a joke. Oh, sure. oh, thank you. Um, it, uh, yeah, I, I, uh, when I started doing stand-up like full-time when I got rid of a day job, I ended up living with my grandparents for a couple of years, and that's kind of how uh, it came about where I was able to just start doing stand-up full-time. So uh, what I was doing was I was staying in the room that my mom grew up in, um, and because I wasn't planning on staying there forever, I, I didn't really redecorate it at all. So it had very pink walls, and there was this giant crucifix on the wall um, and as the joke goes, it was like slightly bigger than the one they actually hung Jesus on. It was gigantic, <laughs> and, and, but it was like, and it was right over the bed too. And it kind of freaked me out, you know, because I grew up Irish Italian. Well, my grandparents, those, those grandparents were Italian, but I'm Irish Italian Catholic growing up, which is you know very uncommon in Boston. Um, yeah, right. so so it was kind of freaking me out. So I took it off. But the wall actually hadn't been painted in, you know, probably since my mom was living there. So there was this, like, faded shadow of the cross on the wall, which was actually creepier than the cross. <laughs> so I put the cross back up. I was like, I'll just leave that there. That's fine. You know, it's such a great visual. It reminds me of a Christmas story. It would be a scene right out of there. <laughs> You know, um, so why don't you, I mean, I, I think your story is amazing because uh, so few people make the leap. And, you know, I think uh, 
you know, I'm a pretty spiritual guy because of uh, some of the events that have happened in my life, and that's really what it's all about. I mean, when you, even when, if you're not a, not a spiritual person, you've got to trust in something to do what you did. So why don't you tell us, tell us your story. I, that's one of the things I like to get from the guest is, you know, when did you get the idea that you wanted to be in film and, and on stage, and, and what made you think that, you know, what was what was the draw? What was the draw? What, what did you just, you know, I th- I think in my case I was actually dragged into it. I you know, when I look back and connect the dots, and so what was it that um, drew you to it, and what gave you the guts to to make the leap? Oh um, well, I, as a kid, I have always been into uh, acting and and. Uh, you know, growing up, I grew up like right in the the midst of Star Wars. You know, so that that really captured my imagination as a kid, and I wanted to do that. I wanted to be Han Solo. I thought Han, being Han Solo and Indiana Jones were actual like job <laughs> that you could. I mean, technically they are, I guess, but only one person gets to do it. But but I thought that was like something you could aspire to. That and being Batman. Um, but <laughs> I always wanted to be like a part of that that the you know that world i didn't understand it. it was it was just fascinating to me it was like magic and i also had a really uh uh just admiration and, and i was a huge fan of stand-up comedy I, I used to love when they used to do star search back in the day the the little you know three minutes of stand-up that they would show on the show i was always like glued to the tv i would sneak out of uh, out of bed and watch like the tonight show um i used to love one of my favorite things uh, as a kid uh, in summer vacation was because I got to watch David Letterman. Uh, you know that I, w- I was always thrilled because I got to stay up late and watch David Letterman over summer vacation. So that was a big. It wasn't just being out of school. Um, so I was a huge fan of that. I was always terrified of stand up and and uh, and performing. I did some plays in like you know elementary school and, and high school, uh, but I didn't quite. I didn't know what because you know growing up in Boston, especially in the in the suburbs, and very blue collar family. My dad worked for the MBTA uh, his whole life. Uh, you don't really you don't get a lot of um, insight into what it's going to take to do that kind of world. You know, I mean, my dad wanted me to work for the T. He was like, "Oh, I can get you a job there," and I, and I knew I didn't he want still that. Does, probably. Yeah, no, no, he passed away actually. Yeah, but yeah, he might. He I, might know, still I be read that in Facebook, and but no, wherever he is, if he he still wants you to do that, <laughs> he probably does. Yeah, he probably does. Um, and uh, he, um, so 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 I didn't quite know what to what to do with that that love of that stuff. Um, and then in college, uh, I mean, I, I never I went to Salem State for a couple of years, and I barely went to college. I met some guys that were doing a sketch group, and I was like, oh, that sounds great. That sounds like something I'd want to do. And uh, so I, I got together with them, and I wrote some sketches, and and we ended up all doing this public access show in Revere for a couple of years uh, called TV wow. TV. Yeah, yeah, and it was great. Uh, we did, I mean, literally, we, we did like one show every three months because it took so long to film and put it all yep. together. I mean, none of us knew what we were doing. But we got, uh, they were looking to do some kind of like, you know, public access original programming or whatever. It was right down by, uh, the the station was right down by where the movie theater is in Revere there off the off the circle. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, the Squire, right by the Squire. I ended up living over there with Mark <laughs> Scalia in that area actually for a couple of years. Um <laughs> 
But uh, <laughs> the famous squire, the strip. There's some sketch, so, there's some um, real sketch acting there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Sketches and sketchy. Um, so, <laughs> so uh, yeah, so I started doing that, and then. So uh, one of the there was a woman that would would come down and and act in some of the sketches, and she knew Johnny Peasy over at Giggles and Lenny Clark, and she introduced me to them, and I had always dreamt of doing stand up, um, and it just kind of just came about, and Johnny was like, well, here you put together like five minutes, can you give me a tape? And I didn't know what that meant, so I literally yep, filmed me yep. doing stand up in the studio that we filmed the the. <laughs> Which in was a little, huge which, jump. And I, when I say studio, like the public access studio, it's literally like the size of someone's living room. It was with you know with carpeted gray walls, you know that right, kind of thing. Right. And uh, so I filmed it there. I didn't know what to do. And uh, I was like, should I add laughs in? And they're like, no, I don't. I don't think that's probably. Right. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I gave, so I, it, I gave it to her to give to him. And, uh, and he was like, okay, cool. I'll put you on. And I, so I ended up doing. He was doing a, a benefit at Giggles. This is in 1992. And uh, I, 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 it was over in the, in the, on the, the back room, not in actual giggles, but in print, at, at the, the Prince uh, house there, at the, at the other side, like where they have like a little function room with the big stage. So it was actually pretty right. packed. Um, so that was the first time I ever got on stage, and it went really well. I met Mark Scalia wow. there for the first time, and him and I became uh, friends uh, for the rest of our life, which was great. Um, yeah, so I started doing that, and then, uh, you know, I did stand up in Boston for a good uh, ten years. After that, I, I was going in between working day jobs, not working day jobs for a while. I wasn't working a day job. Uh, towards the end of uh, the '90s into 2000, I was working as a video, basically for all intents and purposes, like a video game tester for this software company. Uh, with another oh, that's right, company. I remember that. Yeah, yeah with Tim McIntyre actually worked there as well, and uh, we both started around the same time. And then I got laid off from that. And then I had already planned on going to L.A. to visit the week I got laid off. So I was like, well, that feels like kind of hmm. like a sign. So I yeah, went to visit. Hello. I really liked it. Say again? So, so, okay, I, yes, so I went to I, visit. Can you hear me? Yeah, I got you. Yeah. Oh, okay, cool. All yeah, right, there sorry, is a, cool. Sorry. Yeah, it seemed, it seemed like a lag, but you're okay. Okay, good. So, um, so yeah, so I went to uh, L.A. to visit. I really liked it. I uh, came back, and I was like, oh, maybe I should make plans to move there. Um, so it took me about another year before I, I actually got up and running to move there. But I had ended up saving because the place that laid me off called me back as a contractor. I ended up saving like twenty grand to move out there with, which was great. Um, so it all kind of happened as it happened, and it ended up leading me out there in, in, in a really good position. Nice. So when you got there, what happened? Comedy, uh, stand up, or I started. You, yeah, I started with comedy. I was still going on the road here and there. Um, I was, uh, you know, um, and and I was just, I, I wasn't enjoying doing stand up in L.A. But if you're not doing, because you're not really making any money at it doing it in L.A. If, if at all. And then when I was on the road, make money at it. I was like, well, I don't. I'm not. Why did I move to L.A. if I'm not if I'm going to be on the road all the time? <laughs> and I really wanted to act. That, that's always kind of been my my where I wanted to end up. So um, I kind of segued out of doing stand-up and being on the road to more focusing just on acting. Um, and the last time I was on stage doing stand-up was probably like 2007, 2008. 
Um, wow, and that, but that, as I did that, and as I focused more on that, and go into like casting workshops and meeting casting directors and staying in town, and and that's when stuff started coming in more with acting. And I got my first TV gig as a guest star on The Middle in uh, 2011. So nice, nice. Uh, no, was that how many episodes? It was just one. It was just one episode. Uh, it oh, okay. was actually, um, in, 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 I, I, I don't know how, how, if you know this or how many of your listeners know this, um, there are like designations uh, as show roles go. Um, you know, everybody knows like an extra, what an extra is, a background performer kind of thing. Right. Then there's a co-star, which is usually like five, five lines and under. Um, it, 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 sometimes they're bigger parts. It depends on the show. Um, but but it, it's, uh, it, it's a smaller role designation and you know it's obviously less pay um and then there's a guest star which is the bigger which is it, it, which is you know the really nice chunk of stuff um and that that um that's a level up and then obviously the series regulars those are the kind of levels of of uh of acting and there's wow. a recurring so, as well. yeah so your like, first so job if, was, if you're on more than one episode yeah you're pretty prestigious then yeah yeah, yeah so, so getting a guest star as my first gig I, it actually started off as a co-star um it's uh, the middle's cast by G. Charles Wright, who who I met in workshops and was taking classes with, and who I've since become really close friends with. He was actually in my wedding. Um, he uh, he called me, and I had gone in for that show about like six or seven times. And finally, he he was like, "Oh, I heard th- I heard your voice when when I read this part." And so I went in, and it went really well. And it was only one line, but I'm in like two thirds of the episode. So they ended up bumping up the co-star part to a guest star. So that was nice. really helpful. Yeah, nice. so that was great. And then that helped me get um, another guest star on Anger Management with Charlie Sheen and Selma Blair, and that was a lot of fun. And it kind of just gone from great. there. Great. And then what's uh, then after that, There was is, is there another series that you're in? Or? I did, uh, well, I just, I did an episode of Criminal Minds last year. It was very small. That was okay. Very, that was funny. That was a co-star, so it was weird. I kind of went backwards a step. Yeah, but which is fine. All right, it's work. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, absolutely, yeah. and it all adds up, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. So what? Um, so what is the bulk of the work that you do then? I mean, I know you just did this thing with Gen Z, and you also. Yeah, Gen Z. I mean, yeah. we got to talk is, about uh, which is, you, you. Go ahead. Go ahead. Oh no! Yeah, Gen no, Z. You is, also uh, did. An animated... You wrote a comic strip. You, you wrote a comic strip yep. for a while. Yeah, I had a comic strip going for um, from like I want to say 2007 to 2012. I was doing like one a week. There's a couple hundred up there. That's on my website. If uh, John Keating Dump is, um, it's free to view if you want to go look at it. And it was cool. I got published as a little indie comic by Hopper Comics in uh, in Austin, Texas. And I did a couple of conventions, you know, selling the books and signing them. And that was a lot of fun. Um, it was just something that it, I just always liked drawing. In fact, I even used the, the cross joke. I even used that as one of the strips. Um, I just always liked drawing growing up. And, and uh, I was a big fan of comic strips and newspaper comic strips. And it was something I always wanted to try. So I just kind of did it. And uh, it was fun. It was a fun thing to do. I kind of stopped doing it because it got to be a little much. It would take me about like yeah, five yeah. hours Strip. I mean, it was it was a lot, and if it's not your actual gig, it can be a little time consuming and get a little tedious. So I was like, I I right. think I did what I wanted to do with that, and I might go back every once in a while and do another strip here and there. Right, 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 right. Yeah, I know because I'm doing, you know, I'm putting out a, 
you know, one panel, two panel stuff right now myself, but I'm doing it digitally, which saves a, a ton of time. But it's still, you're right. If you want to get it right, it takes time. Yeah, yeah. Because I would draw the, I would draw the the characters on. Uh, I, I I always liked using pencil and and, and Bristol board paper. Um, I just like the control I had over it. But then I would ink it and color it in, you know, in Photoshop basically, in Illustrator and oh, Photoshop. Okay. Cool. And then piece it all together. So it was it was really time consuming. It took a lot. It took a while. Right, right. But if um, I go back to it, I don't. That, I'm going to do color. I think I'm just going to do black and white. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, I think. Um, you know, when I hear your story, I think every if we had a, uh, you know, one of these uh, panel things, you know, where we had four or five comedians, the the thread runs the same. Uh, you know, the same thing. I mean, my identification with uh, the comic strips, if I read a newspaper, it was never like some other people, you know, go to sports or politics or anything. It was right. always look at the theater section and then look at the comics, you know. Right, and, exactly. Uh, and you start to, you know, you don't even think about it at first, but then after a while you just say, why was I drawn to that? I mean, I really think... You know, from my take on it now, is that we were really destined to do it. I mean, we were programmed. That was our DNA. We came here yeah. to do this, and to do anything else is, you know, just kind of a lie, you know. And and I think, you know, in, in my case, that um, I was, you know, just amazed. I ended up in comedy in the most bizarre way um, and probably wouldn't have got there I, I would never have gone through the gymnastics of the open mics and all of that stuff. So I kind of leaped up into it and then, you know, just forget it. And then you're a drug addict, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, so, that's the uh, thing. I mean, it's so, uh, uh, when did you start? How old were you when you started? Well, I, was it later for I, you or was it early on? Yeah, I was, well, first of all, I, uh, my brother always left. I was born into a Irish Italian family and the Italian side, right. they were magicians and uh, one of them was semi-professional. In fact, he was a uh, president of the Pacific Coastal Association of Magicians, and he was, you know, really skilled. But I never really knew him. I knew of him. You know, he was my yeah. uncle living in uh, Monterey. And um, so, you know, I did it as a kid, but, you know, I never actually did birthday parties or anything just for friends. And if you don't have a peer group, forget it. You're not going to last because, you know, kids hate magic and they're just going to, they just want to catch you. You're not entertaining anybody, you know, you're the yeah. enemy. And so I quickly stopped that, but I had it in me. I knew I had perfected a few things and they were entertaining and gave it up totally. And here I am making a sales call and one day with my boss and then, um, we were selling radiology film, went to the radiologist and asked him, I brought the boss down to close the deal. I was only on the job for a couple of months. And I said, I can't get this guy to close, commit. I said, you know, can you help me? He said, sure. So uh, I said, hey, doc, have you, you thought about my film? And he, he was in a pissy mood. And he <laughs> said to me, yeah, I thought about it. And he says, as a matter of fact, if you show up here before a couple of months, I'll never buy your film. So I took that as a signal he wasn't in the mood. <laughs> yeah. And I headed for the door. And this boss takes out this cheap little cylinder and uh, puts a stack of nickels. And, of course, the, there was a false bottom on it. And then, you know, there was only really one real nickel. The rest looked like nickels. And he slid the, the thing on the top. And he looked. And I'm, I'm horrified. At this point, I'm horrified that he didn't take the signal to leave. And he said, hey, Doc, right. before I show, I want to show you what happens every time you put a piece of competitive film up instead of ours. And the money disappeared. 
And I'm looking at the doctor thinking, when does this guy kick us in the ass and tell us never to come back? And instead he starts laughing. And uh, over a 10-year period, that guy bought over a million dollars worth of film from us. Oh, and wow. so I had the trick. I was a pack rat. I had the kid sitting in my attic at my house. I ran up and got it. And I was about 26, 27 years old, and I said, I'm going to be rich. <laughs> I'm going to close every single account. Well, that didn't happen. But what did happen was the um, the clients and the prospects were going, do another one. You know, do another one. Yeah. They wanted to be entertained. And so I headed for Little Jack Corner's joke shop and bought all the tricks I knew as a kid and called up my uncle in Monterey and I said, I'm in trouble. You know, I got a, so he, he introduced me to uh, a couple of magic clubs here in Boston. And so here I am. And, and again, it, it, it ends up being right. You know, it's just, this is what we were born to do. In fact, my brother yeah. always tells me, he said, remember the time you took that aptitude course after getting a master's degree in economics because you still didn't know what you wanted to do? And after two days of uh, testing, it told you to be an entertainer, and you were furious. <laughs> so, so, yeah. so the, here's the thing. It's like you're fighting thing. against so, your own and, destiny, yeah. Exactly. And um, so I, I leaned toward comedy magic. I mean, that was just, you know, why be serious about this stuff? Do all these, yeah. it was great visual and stuff. And then I saw Steve Martin and before he really got huge, it was that level before he was, he was, he actually sold out Symphony Hall and half of his act was comedy magic. And I was like, right, oh, oh, yeah. oh, I can do that. And then, <laughs> um, cable came out and here I am in my house in the suburbs, you know, working as a sales rep. And then uh, showtime, I walk by the screen and says, looking for the funniest person in America, send us a video. So somebody had taken a video of a particular effect I did, threw it in the mail, and forgot about it for like a year, and then totally forgot about it because they came to Boston and did all these auditions for a year in every club with with the likes of um, Stephen Wright, with the likes of Sweeney, and, and all the yeah. greats, you know. Yeah. And Paul of, and all of a sudden, one day after a year, and then they was moving this thing toward regional runoffs and auditions and I, I just I said I'm you know I can't stand up to that competition and one day I got a call and it was Showtime Cable and I said you won and you were doing something kind of totally different though than what they were doing too so it, it, you didn't need yeah, to exactly you know I mean? it was novel yeah. you're right and, the, and I was lucky to have somebody who was my stooge who was hysterical so it was a kind of combination thing and I'm arguing with, I said, no, you, you made a mistake, you know, <laughs> and they're going, no, no, you're the winner, and that immediately got press, and then I had taken a class with Billy Downs and uh, Paul Barclay, and so they called me up, and they said, come on in, you know, they they wanted to to ride the all the press and publicity I was getting. Sure, of course, yeah, and, and they paid me. The original Comedy Connection, yeah. Yeah, so not only get laughs, I got paid, and that was it. It was over. So, yeah. you know, I, that's why I wanted to ask you this story because I, I I really truly believe that you know there's a destiny component to this, and uh, and when you that's the thing that you start to trust, and then you do brave things like you've done to really follow your passion, and kudos to you. Oh well, thank you. So uh, uh, yeah, it's funny when yeah, you say so about talking about like when you when you you were talking about being a little kid and stuff. I remember you know for like sixth grade and fifth grade uh, like public speaking stuff. I would always do. 
bits from from comedians. I would do George Carlin or I would do Bill Cosby or somebody <laughs> like that, you know. Uh, yeah. You know, Bill Cosby without yeah, Well, I was always but, picked you know. I was always picked as the lead in all the school plays. You know, they picked me. Yeah. I was always always got the lead. Not that I necessarily wanted it, but that's what, you know, evidently they saw so I had enough over the other kids that I could, you know, pull that off. So, you know, yeah. you look back and you're going, you know, this is strange. <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah, it's a weird it's a weird road that gets you to where you are. Yeah. So now now, how, how, do you do okay financially with this? I mean, t- how does that work? Yeah, do you, I do all right. I yeah, mean, I do good. Uh, and I also I do some teaching. Um, I teach an audition techniques class, which is uh, which I'm really enjoy- I just started doing that this year, and, and I've been really enjoying, really enjoying that. And I coach I coach people on auditions as well, uh, privately. So and and I, I just really get a kick out of that. I, I love uh, I like I like working with actors. Um, I think at some point I would like to get into some directing. Because um, I do really like working with actors, and I love seeing the light turn on in them when they when they really click into it and get it. Yep. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I've just really been enjoying that. And then this this past year, I got uh, well, I, I, I did I did a movie a couple of years ago that we're waiting to. It's in post right now. Uh, I did it. It was like we filmed it last year. Um, called the Concessionaires Must Die, um, and I actually did a rewrite. Uh, with the director on the shooting draft of it, so that was a lot of fun. And then I play; I'm one of the leads in the movie. Um, Stan Lee has a has a cameo in the movie. Um, we got uh, the lead of it is David Blue, who was on Stargate Universe. He was a series regular on Stargate Universe. Um, Dan Laurier from The Wonder Years is in it. Uh, so it's, it's about uh, the dying days of a of a single screen movie theater, movie, old movie house that we filmed up in Fresno. Nice. It's uh, beautiful. This gorgeous, like, cathedral movie, you know, movie palace. Uh, we filmed up there for two weeks. It was really great. They were, they were wonderful. Um, so that, yeah, so that, that you can, the trailer is, is online. The Concessionaires Must Die, um, if you want to check that out. And then I did, yeah, uh, yeah. I voiced, I voiced a character, one of the leads in uh, this animated show that should be coming out later this year, but the trailer just got released, and uh, Huffington Post just did a really nice write-up on it uh, called Gen Z. Uh, you know, meaning like Generation Z, basically. Uh, the the creator of it is English, uh, Hayden Black. He created a, a sh- funny show called Goodnight Burbank that uh, had Laura Silverman in it and Dominic Moynihan and John Barrowman from Doctor Who and Torchwood. Um, so this the the animated show is about uh, these four uh, gamers that meet online. They're all like millennials, and they're all their lives are all kind of falling to pieces. And they end up getting in a, a place together, uh, and I play Huey. Uh, but the, the, one of the big things about the show is the lead character on the show is transgender, and the actress voicing her is also transgender, which is which is really cool, and uh, and has never been done before, strangely enough. Interesting, interesting, yeah, yeah. interesting. So she's got yeah. the authentic voice then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's. I mean, she she is she is the character. You know, obviously not. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but, yeah. but yeah, so, uh, and uh, and uh, Jane Weedland from the Go Go's is voicing a character in it, uh, which is really great. I got to meet her, and and she was wonderful. Um, and Richard. So how many episodes did you do? We did. Uh, well, we it's weird. We did one long forty-five uh, minute, like that would have been the pilot, but it's going to be cut up yeah. into like eight four-minute episodes, and it's going to probably be web released right now. Um, but which, nice. I mean, I know, I know, I know, Hayden's in. 
talks with people, so we're not quite sure what the distribution is. I mean, it's all right now. It's all being done indie level, but there's a lot of people that are becoming interested in it. So we'll uh, we'll see what happens with it. I, I think I think eventually I think it'll be out probably by the end of the year, probably by the fall. Um, but the the trailer's online now. You can see the trailer, and I'm in it, um, my character in it a little in the trailer. So um, if that goes, yeah, you'll fun. get well, you'll get a part. So, yeah, hopefully, yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, well, I'm one of the leads in it, so if it goes, I'm, yeah. I'm in it. So, nice. so that's good. Nice. Yeah. Uh, was it? Was that? Yeah, what other, was that experience like doing the voice versus? It was a blast. I had not done any voiceover stuff to that extent before, um, and it's something I've always wanted to do, and uh, that's why I'm really hoping it goes because it'll be a nice kind of kickstart into that world. But. Um, it was so much fun because we did the producer of uh, uh, the uh, the sound engineer and the, and the sound producer on the show is uh, worked on Futurama, so he's amazing. He's oh, okay. Really, yeah, uh, just a pro, and uh, and he has his own studio, and we went to it, and he has like about three or four mics set up, and so we actually all were in the room together playing oh, off of each other, which was a lot of fun. And every once in a while, you'd have to do a pickup or whatever by yourself. But for the most part, we're all playing off each other, and you can really tell. Like, it, it, it really ups the level of the voice acting. And oh, sure, so it's spontaneous then. Yeah. Oh, I mean, yeah. We were there. It, we, were there. We, we recorded the whole thing in a Saturday in January, and uh, we were probably there about, like, good six hours, seven hours, and it was so much fun. We really, I really enjoyed that's it. That's great. That's great. I'm uh, actually doing that independently right now. Uh, oh, cool. Through, again, a lot of serendipity. I don't know if you were working around with uh, Tammy Pula from Portland. Do no, you know, you know, you know her name. I, I, her. I don't think, I don't think, we, I think yeah, I had anyway, great, yeah. great gal, great stand-up. And uh, <clears throat> I, we, she took a couple of years off because she's got, um, for retail, um, oh, by the way, that giving it a signal. For those of you who are listening live, um, we will lose you in a couple of minutes, but we will not lose the podcast. So the part you missed, just come back in and, and listen to the rest of the show for the next 15 minutes. But uh, anyway, Tammy um, came back to comedy after two years out, and we worked one show together. And she asked, ironically, she asked me something about um, a, a bit she wanted to try that was about her father, who could not read, uh, would read, her, pretend he was reading fairy tales and he'd get them all mixed up. So, oh, you know, uh, Little Red Riding Hood really went to visit the bears and all that kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, yeah, he was just making it up as he went along. Yeah, he would make it up and it was all, so she had this warped sense of what, all the fairy tales. So she did the bit. I said, don't be afraid of it. I said, you know, get up there and do it. And she did. And so, you know, she we started to talk again. We would had always, uh, she'd actually been a customer of ours when we created the toys based on the Boston Dean. And um, so I heard these amazing stories from her, uh, e- equivalent to anything that David Sedaris has ever done, and uh, <laughs> about growing up, yeah, growing up in, in Maine in a, in a um, trailer park. And I said, I had just um, gone to Apple at that time, and they were teaching me everything, you know, technical and, you know, with iMovie, et cetera. And I said, I'm coming up there. This stuff has to be recorded and has to be put up on YouTube. So we... I did about 30 videos, either you know, you know, videoing her in person and/or talking over the phone with the voice recorder from the phone on, and then I would 
you know, put in the sound and then just build images around the story she oh, was that's telling. Great. And they're hysterical. Yeah. They're hysterical. So so one day yeah. um I was doing this radio show with, you know, some friends and mostly comedy and I put the phone down and here I was dead in the water because we had no investment left to keep producing and when I put the phone down, you know, the little voice that talks to us once in a while says, Stupid do a kid's radio show. You don't, you know, you don't need any money to do yeah. that. And I mentioned it to her and she says, I don't get it. And I said, well, here's the two characters. And then on the way to a gig, we blew out, I took the phone out and we blew out a perfect story in uh, totally ad living in about five or six minutes and looked at each other in horror when we got through and said, where'd that come from? And I had convinced her, yeah, I had convinced her she, she's got a pretty good voice and funny. She wanted to do some comedy rap things. And I, so she, I, I encouraged her to do it. And so she found a sound engineer in Portland who's a genius. He's a heavy metal rocker, but he's a, you know, professionally trained, you know, went to school as a sound engineer and he's meticulous and perfect. And here we were in a, three-decker in Portland, and we went in, and in a matter of, I don't know, three hours, banged out five eight-minute bits that were perfect. In fact, he was going kind of crazy, saying, there's got to be something I can edit in here. (laughs) And there wasn't, but he added all of the sound effects. So we've been doing that um, for about a year and a half, and it's truly mad. We produced over nine comedy albums at this point, over an hour long each, and um, and now it's morphing. And you know, it was a great, just a great training ground to break in new characters, develop the characters, create new stories and new worlds. And uh, you're right, it's it, you can't. It, it, <laughs> I guess you can't describe it to a, a stand-up who's never done it. Um, how, how exciting it is. Yeah, it's great. It's really different. It's it's like, um, I mean, there's just so many. Every, everything is very compartmentalized for acting. I noted, like co- commercial acting is so different than sitcom acting, which is so much different than dramatic acting or even like single camera comedy as opposed to like a multi camera sitcom. Those are two different styles. Auditioning is a different style of acting than than performing is and and you know and voiceover is like a whole different animal it's all these different skill sets that you you and, yeah. and you don't even need to master them all you can just be good at a couple and, and make a good good career out of it you know yeah exactly i mean what uh but obviously if you're skilled at one i mean i i would think that if i did well, it's good go, to diversify yeah 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 i mean because <laughs> what we've it gave me the confidence in doing this that, number one, you can create a character using your voice and your yes. intonations and a mindset. And, uh, you know, and I know that it would be, you know, even more to do when when it's a visual thing and you're doing video versus audio. But, you know, it, you're still, you're acting. Yeah. Well, yeah, but the thing is you don't see, all, you, you know what the character looks like, but you're not, you're voicing it before it's animated. So you are, right. it, it is similar to that. Like you're just doing it and it's all in your head and then you see it later right. as it's animated to what, what you voiced, which is, yeah. Well, did you really find trippy. that when you were doing it, one of the things we've noticed is um, we can actually see the story evolve. We're actually there. Oh, you totally, know, we, yeah. And, yeah. Yeah, that's pretty bizarre, isn't it? 
Yeah, it is. It's weird. It's, sim- it's similar to writing if you're writing a script. Yeah, exactly. Story, it, that you're in it while you're writing it, and you can see it. Yep. But it's like a virtual reality kind of world. Yeah, exactly. So now that's good. That's a good segue. What what kind of writing are you doing? Uh, I'm actually uh, working on. Well, like I said, I, I did the re- I did a rewrite uh, on the shooting draft of Concessionaires Must Die. So that was that was really cool. And right now I'm working on a, a story, uh, a script about uh, me and my sister kind of dealing with uh, my dad and and what what happened to him. Uh, it's loosely based on that. You know, obviously there's a lot of dramatic effect taken. So that's what I'm working on right now. And I'm hoping that uh, well, I know that the director of Concessionaires Must Die, America Young, is a good friend of mine. She wants to direct this. And uh, so we're going to look at hopefully maybe, you know, next year trying to get it up and running and, and seeing what happens. we got a couple of uh, name actors that are actually interested in it based on what I had written already. So so that, that's my, no, next, that's does, my next goal was, to get that completed and, and go for it. Is it a TV it. thing? Are you shooting for a TV? Or no, no, this would be a film. This would be an indie film, yeah. Nice, nice. You know, what I'm hearing from you is such uh, great passion and excitement and enthusiasm just being in the game. Yeah, it really is. I, uh, You know, it's funny because I had worked a day job for like 10 years out here, and it ended last year. And, uh, and I, you know, and I've been married for, uh, for six years. It'll be six years in October. And my wife was like, yeah, you know, we're good. You don't need to go run out and find another day job. And then I started teaching, and so that's – been great and then uh you know and then whatever acting gigs i pick up or residuals and stuff um and so it, it's great it's totally given me i mean I, I i'm really blessed to to have met amber and 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 she's as wonderful as she is um she's just so supportive and such a such a huge uh she's just she's as passionate about it as i am and uh wow. and she it really gave me the freedom to to go oh wow i got this story i want to do and and just really feel like I'm really in the game and, and just really doing it again, you know, instead of having to worry about balancing a, a day job and, and then trying to do it as well, you know. Well, don't you, you know, as far as I <laughs> I found on my end that you, when you make the leap and it's like, no, I'm going for this at all costs, Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I may may starve, I may whatever, I may lose a house, right. I may whatever, what economic. But I realize now that this is my true calling, and that anything else will be much less than that, and really not worth it. So, yeah. and but don't you feel because you're right in the middle of it out there? Don't you feel that those are the people who really are the ones who do make it? I think so. Yeah, and, and it depends on what you mean by making it too. I mean, everybody has a different definition of that. But yeah, I really think yeah, I think I mean it's funny because it when, I, when I let it. go of that, I'm sorry. Right. Yeah. What I mean by making it is you get to do it. That's all. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. You get to do it, um, and you're and you're doing it, and, and when and when you're when you are doing it and and, and pushing it like that and, and focusing on it, the other stuff kind of it really does fall into place. Like you know, I started. Um, you know, my friend G that I mentioned before, had he teaches an audition class, and I have helped him out with it for years, and he would recommend people to me for coaching auditions. And then he's like, when I told him that I was losing the day job, he was like, oh, well, I, you know, I've been wanting to open up a, a second night of the class, you know, and I, I would, you'd be great to teach it. Um, so, so that just kind of came up. So that was, oh, well, there's some income there, which is great that I didn't have. Yep. I, I found that um... – 
yeah, I just hear the same story over and over again. Uh, you know that 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 this is serendipity, synchronicity that happens that uh, you know wouldn't happen without that kind of leap. And I I don't know if you ever I read a finally found the book that put it all together for me um, because I started to notice these metaphysical things that you couldn't explain on a physical or you know 3D level. Uh, that didn't make sense, that all of a sudden, um, you know, for example, uh, when I started the, the, the company, if you did A, A didn't lead to B. Instead, A, what you, were, you thought you did A because you thought you would get to step B. But what would somehow mysteriously happen is you'd be at point D. And you'd be saying, wait a minute, how did we get here? You know, because there was no explanation of how you got there. I mean, do, does this make sense, what I'm saying? Did I lose you? Oh, don't tell me I lost you. Yeah, I did. I lost him. <laughs> what a great show, though. I'll uh, I'll have to message him and um, whatever. And he won't be able, probably won't even be able to call back in because we went past our time. But John Keating, so much fun. Uh, I'm going to put this on the podcast. Those of you who are still with us, uh, what a fun, 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 fun interview, fun guy. We got to continue this because I want to follow John in his career and what's going on out there. So uh, thanks for doing, coming in and listening, and uh, that's it for today. I uh, appreciate you uh, joining in. Thanks. Crazy little shack beyond the track And everybody calls it the Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.